Welcome to Do That Well. I'm your host, Brenda Brown, and with me, executive coach Karen Thrall. Today on Do That Well, we're going to do our final installment in our Do Tackling Your Dreams Well series. For those of you who have been listening along, you know that Do Tackling Your Dreams Well series was based off a chapter from Karen's upcoming book of allegories, and this particular series is based off a story about Dayton who has a daydream. We've talked about time, we've talked about fear, and we've talked about forgiveness and how all of these elements can both be on our way to pursuing our dreams, but also how we can tackle those things to try and really unlock our true potential when following our passion. Today, we want to dive a little deeper into each of these topics and really go over some of the hows. So how do you actually tangibly work through each of these different topics? And we're going to kick it off with time. Karen, I'm actually going to have you kick this off. Uh, Okay. Um, (laughs) Yes. So let's, the first thing I want to do is give a resource. Um, It's a book I read and I really like it. If for those of you who like to read, it's called The One Thing by Gary Keller. What is that one thing that you want to accomplish? So specifically, because we're talking about tackling your dream, your one thing will be, what's the dream you're going to tackle? Now that becomes priority over everything else. So think about that. It becomes as equally important as eating, showering, health. Okay. So you want to make that your one thing. And what happens is what we tend to do is we'll go, oh, let me get rid of all these little tiny other things. And then I'll focus on the one thing. But no, you're going to do the opposite. You're going to focus on the one thing. And if you have time left, then you focus on all the other little things. So it's very empowering for to get you to, to remember what is that one thing you really want to go after. So you just talked about, and I know this is something that we actually addressed in the time episode, that for some people, focusing on one thing can actually then become overwhelming. So breaking it down into smaller pieces is actually the secret sauce, so to speak, for them. So creating to-do lists. I have this great friend. She makes the most amazing to-do lists. She's actually an illustrator. So she puts little pictures and things like that into her to-do lists. And having that thing that she can actually manually go and cross off each task as she's completing it, I know that that is very effective for her. Mm -hmm. Like even my husband, Corey, he um, has a big pad of paper and he writes on it. And so he, all his thinking for that day or his goals is on a, a larger pad of paper. And then he has another pad of paper with smaller and it has maybe a few more details on it. But that big picture, it's really cool to watch. And he's a to-do list person and he has, he, he, it empties his brain. So if he can get it all on paper, then it's not cluttered in his thoughts. But it's interesting that he uses the large piece of paper for the ultimate goal, you know, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, I like how visual that is. It's really like visual interpretation of it. Karen, do you want to talk a little bit about the two steps versus 200 steps? Because I know that we're tiptoeing on that territory right now. Yes. Yes. Okay. So there's a workshop that I teach with companies and leaders, and I call it the two-step, 200-step. So if you think of the alphabet, and it goes from A to Z or Z, every step of the way is a letter. A two-stepper will look at the Z goal and go, we're going here. Yes. And then they take an A 
a G, a P, and a Z. And they're like, you know what? Don't worry about it. We'll figure it as we go. We've got enough here to really make it work. And then we'll just figure it out as we go along. And a 200 stepper says, no, it doesn't work for me. No, 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 no. We don't go without all the alphabets. So before they execute their dream, they need all the alphabets. They need to know what each letter is. And then they pick up all the alphabets and then they go ahead and they get to Z because they know all the steps are in place. So they think about what they need to do before they execute. And a two-step person will execute and think as they execute. <laughs> Very different, but it's really effective. So even for you to know, do I want to think as I execute and be organic and let it flow and not maybe define it so much? Or do I thrive in defining it? Yeah. And I think it's so important to be able to identify where you fall on that spectrum because I do think it is a little bit of a spectrum. I definitely lean more towards the 200 steps, but then I feel that if I get to a certain point, it starts to overwhelm me. Then I'm like, okay, like that's enough detail. Organized chaos is best for me. Like enough detail to to have an outline, but not so much that then I don't leave any room for spontaneity. <laughs> and what you could do there is, like you said earlier in our, in our time podcast, prioritize. So if your list is overwhelming you, look at look at what you think you have to do to accomplish your dream and pick out what you think are the top three and then do those. But now everything else is on paper. It's not going anywhere. You won't forget it. it's right there, but go and pick your top three and tackle those. And then once those are, then you have a victory dance. You got to have your victory dances. <laughs> and then, and then you go and you do the next top three. So you don't feel overwhelmed by the list. And so this is all important, you guys, for time, because you need to be able to identify where you fall first. Then when you do find those 10 minutes for yourself, you know where to put your effort. Which leads us into the next point in time, really tangible. 10 minutes is all you need. Yeah, you do. I, oh, boy, I can't stress that enough. So if we visually think of 10 minutes a day times three, 30 days is 300 minutes, and I just accomplished five hours of my dream, there is a lot of power in 10 minutes. And we think it's not good enough. We, we will book an entire weekend, a whole day, and we put these very high time expectations. Do you have 10 minutes in your day to tackle your dream? Oh, you sure do. Oh, yes, you do. I can guarantee you, you have 10 minutes. And all of a sudden, that 10 minutes is gold to you because you you stop your world for 10 minutes and you let yourself soak in, in the desire and longing to, to see this dream fulfilled. That 10 minutes, and all of a sudden, it turns into 15. All of a sudden, you lose track of time. And there'll be moments where you'll be like, oh, my gosh, I... I was, I did my dream for three hours today, but you, the 10 minutes is the start. It's the warm up. Another practical way to approach time as well, if you're thinking to yourself, well, where do I even find those 10 minutes is try and find those places in your life where you could multitask. Maybe it's on your commute. Like I know that when I commute to work, I'm sitting on a bus for at least 20 minutes. So I could use those 20 minutes to like, like if I'm trying to open a business, I could listen to a podcast about going into entrepreneurship in those 20 minutes. And look, now that's 20 minutes rather than even just 10. So try and find those moments where maybe you can do two things at once. <laughs> Let's talk about fear. Should we move on to some, some how-tos for fear? Sounds great. All right. With fear, 
we broke it down into some top fears in that episode that would be in our way of tackling our dreams. So we talked about monetary fear, the fear of being selfish, the fear of regret, having the regret that you're never actually going to do that thing, self-doubting, and then also the fear of being a dime a dozen. So thinking, well, there's no room for me in this new path. The first one, monetary fears. I feel like for that one, there's some really practical ways you can approach that. So if you're afraid that you're not going to have enough money, talk to a financial advisor. That's totally what they do. That's their job. Um, A lot of times, even the workplace that you have might, there might be a program where you're able to talk to a financial advisor via like your 401k or something like that. So just see what resources might already be available to you and utilize them. Maybe, you know, try and have a conversation with somebody who inspires you. If you have a friend or somebody that you know that inspires you um, financially because they're achieving those goals that you aspire to, just talk to them, pick their brains, see if there's anything that you can learn from them that might help you in your own journey. Karen, do you want to take the next one? Selfishness? So we did we did talk about selfishness. I, uh, you know, I would encourage everyone to go back and listen to the time one and really uh, listen to the part about selfishness, because there's nothing selfish about a dream, about tackling your dream. It, because once you pursue a dream, it now becomes inclusive. When you're not pursuing your dream, dormant inside you, then the only person who knows about it is you. So there, there is you're you're an audience of one. But as soon as you ignite your dream, you are no longer an audience of one. There are other people that become involved. So the only thing I want to add is, again, I, I must reiterate, your a dream is not selfish because you are waking up something that is incomplete inside you. If you wanted to build a house and you only built it half, would you go live in the house? It has a frame. It has a roof and that's it. Would you go move into it? No, you would, you would finish the house and then move into it and then invite guests into it. A dream is similar. A dream is an incomplete house inside you. When you build that dream, you now invite others to join you. You now have a space for those people to belong. I like that you used a visual. With selfishness, I think if you can envision something like what you're saying, even just that practice of sitting and being like, no, not being selfish. My house is incomplete. Giving yourself those words of affirmation and having a visual to put along with it. I think that can be a really effective way to also combat some of that selfishness you might feel. So good. That's so good. Yes. Because if you go, if even if you ask yourself every day, is my house complete? Is my dream complete? No. Then what am I going to do today to complete it a bit more? So the next topic we talked about when we were addressing fear in that episode was regret. We had the the 96 years. So in the allegory, the jackrabbit asks, in 96 years, will you regret this? So let's talk about regret. What are some ways that we can really tangibly try to combat our fear of regret? There's a great book that I read, and I bring it up any chance I can because it truly was a life-changing event. And it's called 30 Lessons for Living. It's by Carl Pilmer. And he interviews the 2000 of the wisest Americans, and they're all over the age of 70. And he compiles this book. And 
there's sections in it and there's one on aspirations and career. So when I read it, when I took it with me on a business trip and I went straight to the career section and my dream, my dream was awakened. My, the honest me admitted in that moment that I had an incomplete dream with living inside me and it was life altering. So how do you overcome regret? (laughs) Well, I would say I would highly recommend reading 30 Lessons for Living, even if you just read that one section. There's other sections on relationships and um, finances and family. You know, for me, that was a pivotal moment. And you actually, you gifted this book to me when I was leaving Fleabag. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) So I will agree. I, I totally agree that that's a really great book to read if you are thinking about regret because I know for me I actually I did the same thing like I went right to the career section I also thought it was a really inspirational book and it totally did also for me I had that moment of being like yes like I hear what these people are saying like I do not want to have regrets and it really did help me let go of that fear that you know or lean into the fear of regret, I guess, to be like, yeah, I'm going to regret this if I just don't take the leap. And it, it was the push I needed to. So, and that's the thing, like, uh, I, I think this is going to be like a unanimous vote. There is something magical, inspiring, empowering to listen to people who have lived the life and are doing some hindsight and they go, Hey, if I could do it again, you know, here's some wisdom. Take it from me. You don't want to ha- live with regret. And that book really drives that home. And I, I just, man, to listen to people who have a wealth of experience and wisdom is, oh, please, yes, please. Another great book on living from that place of passion. Don't regret, you know, really choose those places is Steve Farber, a wonderful friend of mine. He, uh, well, this is his fourth book or fifth book, but it's Love is Just Damn Good Business. And the whole theme of that is do what you love in the service of people who love what you do. You know, so that's another great book, too, that I would I would definitely encourage people to get and read. Moving right along into another topic that we focused about in our fear episode was the fear of doubting yourself when you look at your dreams. Like, I'm not going to be able to do this. And we talked a little bit about how to combat that, you need to grow your confidence. But we didn't really dive into how you actually go about doing that. Like, How does one actually, you know, take the steps to try and grow their confidence? Okay. So um, I knew you were going to ask this question. So I've been reflecting on how, uh, what's the best way to, to explain this in a very short amount of time. <laughs> so um, I'm going to do a mini coaching session. <laughs> you know, and just give you some key sentences. So people that are listening, get a paper and pen and uh, start writing or, you know, pin this and then come back when you have time and do this exercise. So the first question is you, you need to define what confidence means to you. You have to define it. So there's a, there's a uh, Webster's dictionary (laughs) definition, but what does it mean to you? And what that is, is you're going to define it in your own words, using your synonyms, you know, words that mean similar things. And you're going to say, well, what does confidence actually mean? I think confidence means this. What does confidence look like? 
I think confidence looks like this. So you're going to do that. What does it mean? What does it look like? Okay. And how do I know if someone's confident? Ask yourself those. What does it mean? What does it look like? And how do I know when I look at somebody that they're confident? Those answers that you write down, those are what I call light switches. What you just did is your subconscious, your mind, you engaged yourself in the act of becoming more confident. Just by, I'm telling you, by answering those three questions, that's what happens. You answer those three questions and now you've activated confidence. Because why? Because now you know what it means. Now you know what it looks like. Now you know what it sounds like. Okay. So that's your first piece of homework. Your second piece of homework from there is to go when the earliest memory I have of experiencing this definition where I was acting out this definition, the earliest memory you have. Okay. So for me, if I'm quickly, confidence to me is boldness. It's kind. It's, it's being secure in yourself. Like you're just like a comfortable, I'm comfortable in my skin and I'm not worried about what anybody else thinks. Okay. Bold, kind, comfortable in my skin, not even worried, not even a bit of what anybody else thinks. And my earliest memory is grade one. And we did our little Christmas show at the elementary school and we sang Jolly Old St. Nicholas. And I rehearsed my lines. I had four verses to learn by heart. And I remember distinctly in my house memorizing or learning those, those verses. And I remember my mom washing the dishes. I, for some reason, I remember this moment where she was washing dishes and I was singing the song to her. And I'm like, now hindsight, I'm like, oh, my poor mom. I wonder how many times I had, you know, I made her do that. But the other, the real part I remember is the, the night of this Christmas, you know, special thing we did at school. And I sat in the front row and the teacher said, sing loudly. So she, our homework was to know the lines and on the night, sing loudly. Well, I knew my lines, check. I sang loudly, check, 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 check. And there was all those elements of I was really comfortable in my own skin and I had did not care <laughs> at all what people thought of me. And I was that kid. <laughs> you know, that was that the, the kid that sang loud. But I, I was so secure in myself and I had so much joy, you know, and I had so much boldness and so much kindness. So what does that say? That says I actually do know how to be confident. That's proof. I, I do know how to do this. And so that earliest memory that you have is you reconnecting with who you really are. Now you have a visual, you know what it looks like, and now you, and what I say is turn the light switch back on. It's not hard. You have the definition, you have a memory of you, and then come up with more memories and more memories and turn that light switch back on and make a commitment to yourself to be confident. No one can take it from you. That's so cool. So as you're saying your story, I was trying to think of what my story was. I was like, okay, what's what's a story? What's a story that I have from from a time that I was confident? Because I, I agree with you. I think that when I think of confidence, I think of somebody just being unabashedly themselves. When I see people that are just, they're just themselves and they don't care at all how people might judge them or how it comes across. They're just being them, right? And can you, hang on, say that again. That's such a great phrase. Uh, that's like a that's a t-shirt phrase <laughs> confidence that you went confidence is say it again confidence when is when somebody is unabashedly themselves that's just the way I always describe it wow that's what I think confidence is <laughs> but 
for me, I was trying to think, maybe I wasn't a confident child, I don't know, but this really silly memory came to mind of when I was, I don't know, probably in grade five or something. And it was when um, those societal standards of, you know, girls start to shave their legs and things like that. And I was not one of those girls. And I remember being like, well, I don't care. I don't want to shave my legs. And I had a little boyfriend, you know, like I was, you know, 12 or whatever. <laughs> and I remember going up to him in class one day and I put my leg on a chair and I rolled up my pant leg and I was like, bend you. <laughs> like this little feminist. And he was just like, uh, <laughs> you know, he's, he's a little boy. He doesn't know. But I just like remember like feeling so sure of myself that I was, I don't care. I'm going to have leg hair. So find those moments for yourself. <laughs> maybe maybe yours aren't as ridiculous, but there were moments of confidence in there and you just need to remember what that feels like. Yeah, because you're aligning yourself with a true you. You can't fulfill a dream fake. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. Dreams are real. That's why they're called real dreams. So for you to be a fake you is not going to accomplish your dream. The, the how you tackle being a fake you is being a true you, a, a, a confident you, a self confidence you know that is something that belongs to you it is part of your dna and part of your territory part of you who you are it is it is your house and you need to nurture that house that confidence is where you dwell and so you want to do that you want that's that is aligning a true you with a true dream yes i love it so the last thing that we talked about in our fear episode was um the fear of being a dime a dozen and we talked a lot about finding the watering hole of people to be around and really immersing yourself in that culture, the one that you want to go into. And I think we just kind of wanted to hammer that point home a little bit. I think that for us, that really was one of the best ways to tackle that feeling of being a dime a dozen. Yes. Okay. This one is, this one is a best practice. Okay. Which means it works. So it just works. Find people who are similar to your dream and they become a resource. They become a network. They share their resources with you, their wisdom, their insights. You cheer each other on. You lean on each other when you're, when you're sweat, sweating and you're discouraged and it's hard work. They get your pain. They get your success. Is it competitive? Sometimes. But that's good for you. That's good for you. Because it's going to shake you up. And why? Because in those settings of where you're with your people, you belong, first of all. And also, it's humbling. It, it allows that, that quality of humility to stay in you because you stay a student. You remain a student in those settings. So for example, um, I had the privilege of coaching this awesome guy. And um, he was had a great job. Uh, the company was going to close that that division and so his option was to move to a whole different area of the country and so he chose not to and he really wanted to stay where he was at so I was I had the opportunity to work with him what is his next step the first thing um, one of his homeworks was I want him to tell me who he wanted to know well who do you want to know and what type of leader do you want to have in your sphere? So he, he gave me the list. I went through my Rolodex to see if I had any people that matched what he, the type of person he wanted to. And I contacted them, say, can you do me a favor? Can you meet with him? He also had a list of names. 
that guy, sure enough, sure enough, and, and probably, I think, less than three months, Stargain offers not just any offer, offers in exactly what he wanted. He went to the dime a dozen people, you know, the ones that are all kind of similar, and he joined them. And there was a mentoring a component that happened. All his questions were being a- answered. He started understanding how he, what he had to do to get there, what steps, what his, what his resume or CV had to look like, all these things. And he just kept pursuing what he really wanted with the right people, you know, and that goes again with what Steve Farber's book, you know, love is just damn good business. Do what you love in the service of people who love what you do. It's that same similar thing. So that diamond doesn't actually really works. It is a best practice and definitely find that list of people and go spend time with them and doors will open. Use your community. I feel like so many of the points that we have been talking about, it's use your community, use those networking skills. And if you aren't very comfortable networking, find your friend that is. We all have that friend, right? So if you aren't the friend that has all the connections, go to your friend that does have all the connections and ask for some help. It's okay. Okay, so the last episode that we did in the Do Tackling Your Dreams Well series was about forgiveness. That was our episode last week. And we talked a lot about forgiving yourself and forgiving others. But a couple things that we didn't really touch on that I think are relevant are how do you forgive things that might be out of your control, as well as what what do you do if you can't find that forgiveness? What if it's really difficult to find that forgiveness, whether that is for yourself or for others? So the first one, forgiving things that are out of your control, I think that's so relevant to the current climate that we're in right now. Um, with COVID-19, you know, a lot of people have found themselves in positions that they would not have been or could not have anticipated in any way in regards to their dream. It's unfamiliar territory. There are so many unknowns and so many uncertainties right now. And how do you find forgiveness for that situation? Because I think it could be really easy to take it on and be like, oh, well, I'm such a failure because I lost my job. But like, no, you're that was something that you couldn't control. How do you find forgiveness for those uncontrollables? The first uh, visual I had was um, the sailboat going after the horizon so either goal is the horizon you know we've heard these metaphors often there will be turbulent waters there is and it would be uh, respectfully I would say this respectfully it is idealistic to think that we will not face turbulent waters so there's two ways you can do it for those who have not yet faced turbulent waters it would be a good idea to start thinking, what will I be like? What what do I need today to help me through ter- upcoming turbulent waters? So one is there is a bit of a reality to tackling your dreams, and that is you will absolutely experience turbulent times. There are highs and there are lows. So if we went as dramatic as a bankruptcy, um, especially as you were saying in this time during this era uh, with uh, with the COVID nineteen. Um, we do have friends. You have friends. I have friends that have had to close their business. We do. We do. And that's been very painful for them. It brings you into a state of chaos. It's, they did not see this coming. What do they do now? And the first thing I want to say to anybody listening that is 
is going through a, a devastation with all my heart, I'm telling you, you will overcome it. And when you look back, you'll be wiser, freer, happier, and more solidly rooted once you overcome it. In the moment, during the moment, yes, grieve. You're experiencing a loss. We cry for two reasons. We either cry because we've, where there's a loss going on inside us or there's a relief going inside us. If it's a relief, it's like you think of a championship. When the, the, when the winners win, they cry because they're relieved. But the team that lost cry because they lost. So if your tears, hypothetically, are t in a season of loss, be, surround yourself with people who care for you, and you're going to have to lean into your community. You're go you can't do this alone. You're not an island. When you go through a loss, you must reach out. And if I can push a little... It, there is an element of pride why we don't reach out because we're embarrassed, we're ashamed, we feel guilty. Well, I made my bed, I'm the only one who can sleep in it, or I did this to myself, well, so why should anybody, why should I turn to anybody else? That's not the right question. <laughs> the right question is, because I'm experiencing such a tremendous loss, who can I reach out to? That's a much better question. And you truly must reach out. What does it do? It does bring an element of forgiveness because you're safe. You're safe. And you have that, that, those people around you to protect you, to protect your heart, your soul, your thinking. And then one day, you know, one day, all of a sudden you sleep better and you're breathing better. And you're like, okay, what's next for me? What do you do when you can't find forgiveness? That was the other topic that we wanted to touch on briefly. Because there are those moments. There are those moments where you know that maybe you need to forgive yourself. You know that you need to forgive someone else. But you just, you get stuck. And you might find it hard to, to begin that process. I am a huge believer of therapy. Counseling. Psychologists. I, I think they are such a valuable um, contribution to our health and well-being. The insights that a therapist has in helping you overcome when you're stuck, um, when you're lost, um, when you just can't get over it, when you're angry, when you're hurt, um, all that. They have the tools and the gifting and the talent to help you walk through the necessary steps for you to forgive yourself and others. So that really concludes our Do Tackling Your Dreams Well series. Thank you all for coming on this journey with us as we talked about time and fear and forgiveness. We'll be taking a week off so that you can all catch up on our episodes. Join us soon as we explore another chapter from Karen's upcoming book of allegories.